0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Risk Intel Podcast, powered by SRA, where we share risk intelligence with experts across the banking industry. I'm your host, Ed Vincent, Executive Vice President at SRA. Hello, welcome to the Risk Intel Podcast. I'm Ed Vincent. With me today are Perry Heldrith and Amitabh Bhargava. Um, Perry has a uh, background in the agri- agricultural sector. Um, specifically, spent um, 14 years in the farm credit system, and has a very unique perspective, having been inside the farm credit uh, of the Virginias uh, organization. So we're excited to have Perry's perspective here today. Amitab um, joins us uh, as a um, as a senior credit uh, officer at uh, at SRA, uh, and Amitab has worn worn various different hats related to credit and operational risk. at at, at Capital One for uh, for almost 20 years, uh, and has been involved in the credit portfolio analysis here at SRA for the last several years as well. So Pierre and Amitabh, thanks very much for being with us here today.
1: Thanks, Ed, it's a pleasure to be with you.
2: Thanks, Ed.
0: All right, today's today's topic is is the agricultural sector and and agricultural lending. So let's start by really kind of at at the high level here um, and, and talk about, right, how big and important the, the the ag sector and ag lending is in, in the in the U.S. So I thought maybe you could give us a little bit of the uh, the the lay of the land here and, and and some of the background about the the size and scope of of the agricultural sector and agricultural lending.
2: Absolutely, Ed. Uh, as we know, and uh, that ag is is a huge, uh, huge sector. Uh, and especially the ag-dependent sectors. So if we talk about just farm sector, that would be maybe about a little north of $500 billion in terms of gross revenue. Uh, But then we have to think about entire food services sector, the uh, sectors related to restaurants. And if you throw all of them in, it might reach something like 1.3 1.5 trillion dollars so uh, i would say ag and ag dependent sectors really uh, you know constitute almost 1.3 to 1.5 trillions even and if we talk about just the farm sector that would be nearly 500 billion so it's uh, it's a sizable uh, sizable uh, revenue stream Uh, for the national economy and in terms of lending uh, again it's little north of 500 billion dollars because the ag lending is real estate related lending as well as lending related to ag production and the ag real estate lending that's uh, that's a bigger component and also the players in the field of ag lending we have in u.s a lot of commercial banks, community banks, they play in the area, but then a bigger component is the farm credit system, uh, which is what Perry can uh, talk to us more about and enlighten us. Uh, so that that's again a very major play in this uh, particular sector. Perry, you'd like to talk okay. about farm credit system.
0: Yeah, it's right. Uh, so, tough, right, maybe dr- drill down a little bit there, right, Pierre? Right, that's right. That's a pretty significant component here of the of the picture.
1: Well, it is, and and you know, with the farm credit system, you know, being a GSE established in 1916 by Congress and the government, um, it, it is there specifically for ag lending. That's that's really you know that in, in the rural communities is what the farm credit system is there for. It's what um, was established to take care of because, as we know you know, in the U.S., agriculture, we have the most affordable, the most abundant, and the safest food source in the world. Um, and we've got to continue to make sure that we have lending um, and agricultural, you know, component of that for our food source and going forward. So again, that's really what the farm credit system is there for, is to ensure that we have access to capital when it's needed, you know, for all sections, whether that's for the real estate section, and as Zabatav talked about, you know that production side as well.
0: Thanks, Perry. Now, on the top, you um, just authored a report um, that looked at some of the um, you know, changes and, and and you know health and um, and trends within the agricultural sector. So, can you share with us some of the, the observations that you had, um, whether it's farm credit specific or more broadly, kind of at that at that higher level? about the agricultural sector and, and the health of that sector as compared to the last few years?
2: No, absolutely. Uh, so if we look at from a lender's perspective, uh, the ag lending, overall the credit quality, the non-current rate, and all those kind of metrics, they've been extremely pristine. Frankly, even in the latest quarter, the results which were released by FDIC for commercial banks the non-current rate further ticked down from a very benign level that it was in early part of this year. Mm-hmm. And all that is because of a lot of tailwinds the sector has had. Very interestingly, since the pandemic hit, right in the beginning of, uh, you know when the pandemic hit for first two, three, four months, uh, the sector was very severely impacted uh, because the consumption as well as the supply chains uh, were adversely impacted by the pandemic. But then what happened is, because partly of the supply chain issues, um, overall, the commodity prices, they scaled significant highs, and that uh, along with a lot of government payments, which were made to the sector, that resulted in a lot of positive cash flow in the sector. The other piece is the low interest rate or practically zero interest rates that we've had for last few years, uh, that resulted in a big boost to the valuation of farmland. So because the value of total assets, as well as the total income and cash flows, they increased for participants in the sector, uh, that resulted in a better solvency, better you know, current assets, or all those uh, financial ratios they improved and uh, the ability of the borrowers to meet their debt obligations was uh, very strong. When we look at 2023 and forward into 2024, some of those same factors are now reversing out. So the commodity prices, they've retraced for most of the commodities, uh, even though they still stay up. The government payments, obviously, it was uh, all driven by pandemic. So that's, again, scaled back, uh, even though it still stays a little bit above earlier levels. Uh, And the dollar, it continues to stay strong vis-a-vis some of our trading partners, which are relevant uh, for the farm sector, like Brazil. Uh, The entire geopolitical situation with China. It continues to be a bit volatile, resulting in fewer exports projected to China. So some of all those kind of things are acting, are going to act as somewhat of a headwind uh, in 2023 and twenty four, And that is the reason, even though the overall metrics look very strong as of now, uh, you know, as risk practitioners, we just want to alert our our, uh, constituents as to that we got to be a little bit cautious looking ahead for next few quarters.
1: Yeah and to it you know to that point you know when we look at all of these programs um, you know we've been sitting under the 2018 farm bill and that ends this year. Um, So as we look forward you know the number one concern and, and kind of risk within the industry is what that next farm bill looks like um, how um, crop insurance may or may not be uh, impacted, the forward pricing. Um, there's a lot in the industry that's always tied to that farm bill. And, and right now, we don't have one passed. And that is a huge concern in the ag sector, um, whether you're the farmer itself or whether you're lending to ag. Um, right. That next piece is going to be um, paramount to what um, risk looks like you know, going forward.
0: So you've you highlighted a, a handful of risks there, right? On the top, you talked about some, you know, some headwinds for the commodity prices, right? Uh, government payments, right? Geopolitical situation, right? Period, you talked about the uncertainty related to, um, related to um, you know, the, the expiration of the farm bill and the fact that right, we don't necessarily have the most smoothly functioning um, um, operation uh, that is responsible for now getting getting a new bill through. Um, and that impacts both the farmer and the lender. Um, how do you manage this? How do you mitigate it, right? You, 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 the risks are going to be there. Um, you can't eliminate them. But are there ideas or practices or, or um, suggestions that, that risk officers inside, whether it's inside a farm credit system institution or inside you know, someone lending into the agricultural sector, are there? Um, practices that they should adhere to 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 think about and manage and um, and 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 prepare for these risks
1: so yes Ed, i think it is from the standpoint of working with the farmer when it comes to crop insurance forward contracting um, discussions around the seed um, that they're using whether they need um, drought control or disease resistant seed um, speaking of disease animal husbandry um, what what are they doing with ensuring, um, you know, to keep disease h- out away from the animals. Um, diversification, um, you know, custom farming when it comes to feeding of other animals or custom harvesting, um, also uh, custom hire work when it comes to repairs of machinery, entering a new commodity. Um, do you have a poultry operation and could diversify into a beef beef operation? Um, but a lot of things is definitely going to be around, ensuring of good financial management. A couple of folks that I have a deep respect for, Dr. David Cole, Dr. Alex White, um, just hammer this issue all the time you know, when speaking out there of, of ensuring that you've got good record keeping um, all the way through, ensuring that you understand what your input costs are. Um, and, and of course in the beef industry, what's your price per pound gained. Um, there's a lot of those types of things that really help with mitigation and risk control when it comes to that, um, and of course with lending, it's always um, the five Cs of credit.
0: On the top, right period, you know, getting into risks and risk mitigation techniques. There, um, maybe we gonna zoom back out for one second, and then I'm actually gonna come back to you, period, perhaps talk a, a little bit more about about how do you quantify those risks and and are there best practices around managing those? Um, but, but Amitabh, in terms of the health of, you know, uh, the borrowers in, in the agricultural sector, right? We were talking a little bit about health of a number of the players there, including the, you know, the farms themselves. Um, can you talk a little bit about what, what you would evaluate when you're determining the health of borrowers in, in the agricultural sector?
2: Yeah. Uh, a lot of things would be same, uh, in terms of what what would be for a typical commercial borrower. So one would look at you know value of assets. So one would, which is the collateral for the lending, uh, but and uh, and then you would look at what what generates that NOI, the net operating income, uh, the cash flows, uh, the point in case of agricultural lending is that uh, it all would depend on various geographies where the borrowers are located, what kind of crops or what kind of livestock or uh, any other uh, animal farming that, that we are looking at, because each one of them have their own supply demand dynamics. Uh, their own factors which uh, cause their prices to go up or down and a lot of these are not local, they are frankly global in nature uh, because what's happening in Ukraine or what's happening in terms of uh, purchase paradigm for soy uh, meal in China or uh, what is the pricing that Brazil how they are competing with us could determine some of these things. So I would say the lenders in this field need to be in a way uh keep abreast with a wider spectrum of factors which are much more which may vary from one borrower to another especially if it is uh a lending which is across various geographies so some of those things are very important another factor which very significantly impacts ag lending is uh, climate change related impacts. Uh, And I I want to steer away from, you know, any any, uh, conversations related per se to climate change, what causes it and all, but the reality of the matter is that the frequency as well as the severity of things like drought or temperatures or precipitation, that has continued to increase over the last few years. And that does impact the yields and production of farms in a very significant way. Uh, So again, the ag lending sector, it it needs to, in a way, stay abreast with uh, how to assess that kind of risk uh, when they are Uh, doing lending to a particular sector. And the last thing would be, as I talked about farmland values, they have risen very substantially. Uh, I would say that they have increased at a faster pace than residential real estate over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Um, And as standing today, when certain surveys are conducted, uh, it seems that the borrowers, they still expect those prices to further go up although moderate down but it still go up uh, over next few years so there is always that element of if that bubble were to burst or if the prices were to decline how would lenders tackle uh, their right. portfolios
0: right i think i saw a statistic in your in your report also that that um Four out of ten uh, respondents to to the sentiment survey said that they expected foreign land values to to rise right. uh, over the next year. Right. So that's that is um that's that's pretty bullish, right? That that yep. that is um a a positive sentiment there. But then, what happens if if that does not come to fruition? Right. What what is the you know how, how do you prepare for that and how do you manage that risk? Okay. yeah. Kiri, um, let's 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 bring this back then to kind of putting your hat on, right? As as having you know been in a leadership role inside um, inside an institution that is is facing these risks, you know, as the as the president CEO of Farm Creditors of Virginia, um, what are some of the best practices that you would counsel um, your fellow you know leaders within these institutions um, to to consider and actions they could be taking to it's not necessarily eliminate, but at least be aware of and track and monitor um, and, and especially mitigate some of these risks.
1: Well, I think that's you, you, you kind of touched on it in and in, of in, in itself. You know, risk is there. You've got to identify. You've got to um, ensure that you've got a metric in place. What is your what is your appetite for it? What do you have in place from a standpoint of reporting? Um, and then what is your plan? Um as risk change, the risk appetite changes when things move around to to the uh, points that Amitabh just made. Um, And so ensuring that you've got a system in place, that you've got that strategic planning there, the system in place to ensure that you've got the the metrics that you're um, kind of looking for, engaging against. um, What does that look like? You know, how is that built? How, what's the ease of it? How fast is it coming into you? Um, And then, you know, looking at, those that are there with you to to help and counsel you, you know, through them. Who who your partners, both in um, inside the organization, whether it's a chief risk officer or, or someone of that nature. Um, but really, it's it's really comes down to that system and providing that information to you in, in real time um, to be able to look at and make decisions and and focus on the things that you need to be focused on as a leader, um, and kind of leaving the things. Um, there that that doesn't necessarily need to focus today, um, but could need to focus tomorrow. And, and what does that system? How does that system relate to being able to provide that data to you um, timely enough to make those decisions and stay ahead of ahead of anything that's coming down the pipe?
0: Great, uh, great insights. Thank you, Perry. Right, and a few things that caught my attention there. Right about quantifying um, find the risk, uh, whether that is Understanding the risks themselves, understanding your risk appetite, um, and, and, and and anticipating how you're going to react before you have to react. So quantifying, having action plans in place, um, and then being able to get your hands on this data in a timely manner, right? Strong reporting, robust data collection, strong aggregation, having it in a, in a, in a central place. Whether you do that yourself with an internal homegrown system, whether it is right with with shared shared um, shared documents, or whether it's with a third-party system, right, the, the, those key aspects of quantifying the risk, um, having um, plans in place to respond to various scenarios, and then being able to ensure that you aggregate that that data in a in a really timely manner. Thank you very much for your insights today, gentlemen. We appreciate it. Certainly, uh, I encourage all of our listeners uh, and viewers here to uh, go to the uh, sra-risk.com uh, website and grab Amitab's report. And uh, and and we appreciate uh, Amitab and Perry. You got you both been with us today and sharing your your thoughts on trends in the agricultural sector. Thank you, gentlemen.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: For more information on SRA, please visit srarisk.com. Watch or listen to our weekly Risk Intel podcast series or follow us on LinkedIn to learn more.